Dumelang Avusheni Saubona and hello hi Mzanzi. Welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Holds Barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I am your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I am here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those mysterious bumps and aches you dare not speak of in public. Suffer in silence for whomst when I've got your back. As the nights start drawing in, chances are it's more than just your body clock that's being wacky. Tight skin, rough knuckles, chapped lips, get the zambak! Say hello to winter Mzanzi. It's about to wreak havoc from head to toe. But you know the great thing about the Sisters Without Shame podcast is that we are never alone in our suffering. Just listen to this voice note from Bloemfontein. It's getting colder and my skin is in hell. I have dry skin. I have flakes all over my forehead and even in my eyebrows. I read on skin addiction, it could be fungal. So I started washing my face once, sometimes twice a week with anti-dandruff shampoo. It didn't seem to help. The skin on my cheeks seemed chapped, red and blotchy. My pores, which have gotten to the point I'm worried about them and possibly losing spare changing them, Keep getting bigger. Don't worry, lovey. Professor Carol Feller, a dermatologist from the Ingress Medical Center in Cape Town, has got all the answers you seek. Prof. Feller hails from Kwamashu in KwaZulu-Natal and is one of the only two specialist pediatric dermatologists in the country. She is also the head of the dermatology department in the pediatric unit at the Red Cross Children's Hospital. So, Prof, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make with their skin in the winter? There's always that big debate about how often you should be bathing even for one. The answers we give to questions such as this, we call them evidence-based. So it should be based on research. It's Mm. based on proof that whatever is being said is true. We base that on what people have published research. I haven't come across any specific research that answers that question as to how often should people bath is some evidence pertains the frequency of bathing of a baby, a baby that's born because they are born with that layer of skin that is called vermis caseosa. It's basically that white layer of skin. It's more like a paste, but it's on the skin. So what research is showing is that baby, when they are born with that, parents should try and keep that vermis for as long as possible. So therefore, the discouragement to have a baby bath is more stronger now, especially in those first few days of life. And there's not even a limit as to how long they should keep it. Instead, the advice is that just keep that vermis for as long as possible, meaning mom shouldn't go out of their way and take a towel and wipe it off. Why that is being encouraged lately is because with recent research, it shows that there's a lot of richness that comes with that vermis, and it's really good for baby's skin and good for baby's health in return. Mom should just try and benefit from it because unfortunately, it is going to eventually disappear. So if they can just let it go off of the skin on their own, as opposed to putting a child in a bath and wiping it away, that is the advice that is based on hard evidence. The other advice is no, it's more based on patients with you know, sick skin and with the example being a patient with eczema. So if a person suffers from eczema, then the frequency matters. The frequency and what you put in that water matters. 
For example, for patients with certainly eczema or who are prone to eczema, and those people who are prone to eczema tend to know that because so it's anyone with asthma, sinuses, eczema, allergies, or they are born from families that have those type of conditions. So those are the people who are meant therefore to be very careful as to how often they bath and what they use in their bath. And I would say evidence-based direction is that they should do it just once a day and do it for a very short time, like no more than 10 minutes. Now, when it comes to the rest of the people where there's no disease and then it's not a baby, it's up to a person's discretion. There is no backup that says 20 times a day or one time a day. I guess if I were to personalize this whole thing, I would say it's more about hygiene purposes. So when you sleep, you sweat and your chances are you're going to accumulate that sweat and you, you know, it's order and all the things that come with just natural products that we emit in our skin. It just makes sense that for hygiene purposes, you at least bathe once a day. So it's either closer to your waking up from, you know, sleep and having accumulated all the sweats and all that overnight. Or at least if you can do it in the evening, having, you know, allowed for the dead to accumulate overnight and morning, but at least once a day. It just makes sense to me that anyone would want to choose that. But it's not because it's backed up by research. It is just, it seems to make sense that for hygiene purposes. And also to just do a service to your next person. Oh. <laughs> so I think it was last year where it was these celebrities coming out and saying that they are not bathing, like they'll do the sign of the cross. I mean, what was the benefit? Showers kind of strip the oils off their skin or whatever. That's different. My thinking about that is that people are more referring to actually three problems. One is water, the amount of water that we have in our disposal. It is true that pure water on our skin is not the greatest and also depends on where you are. You know, tap water that we are meant to use when we bath, it's not the greatest for our skin. That is the one problem. Second problem is what soap they use. A majority of soaps do strip the oil off your skin. And then the third thing is, of course, what to do next. When you've decided to wash, you wash right, then the next thing is the right moisturizer. Then you will hydrate your skin and that whole thing of whether you're washing 20 times a day or not will not be an issue as opposed to, say, avoiding washing completely because you are trying to preserve your skin. The bath oil you are using does not replace the soap because all that the bath oil will do will help allow for that hydration to get into your skin, nurture your skin, make it supple. You can only add more to hydration to your skin. When you come out, you don't rub very aggressively. Gently tap and then apply another good moisturizer. And to try and do that as close to the bathing stage as possible. Because during that period, when you are, you know, washing your skin, your cells just open up. When you immerse your skin in water, the cells open up. And at that time, they are like, they drink whatever you put in there. So it allows for optimum hydration. Don't get into the water and then allow your skin to dry and maybe go make a sandwich and come back and put a lotion. The better time to, to do everything is as close to your bathing as possible, just to benefit from that opening up of cells because then they go back in and just they, they get tight again. Speaking of stripping oils out of your skin, how do you get them back into the dermis? <laughs> you can certainly replace your oils, even though it may not be perfect, but you can definitely at least attempt to. So one of the things you can do to help replace that oil is to put bath oil in your bath water which is what I just would advocate for anyone to do during winter because it just so happens really that during seasons, our skin does change with the season. So it is a given that during winter time, our skin dries more compared to summer. Firstly, address that dryness and you want to replace the oils that you are losing. 
And one way would be putting a little bit of bath oil you've chosen, a lid full of, example being liquid paraffin, just mix it with your water and then still use a soap. So having put a bath oil in water is not enough. So you will have done the bath oil mixed with your water and then you use a soap that you've chosen. The preferred soap in Mosso in winter should be a liquid soap as opposed to a bath soap. So why a bath soap is not the greatest to wash with and it doesn't matter what it is. It's mainly because of its make has to be alkaline. And for you to maintain it in a bar manner or in a bar format, you need to keep it alkaline. Now, skin pH is closer to acid as possible. It's 5.5 and that's acid. So the bar soap would be minimum seven and above. You are obviously using an alkaline agent on your skin and you're going to dry those natural oils, definite, because you are using an alkaline agent on your skin. So it just so happens that you can never, unfortunately, have a bath soap without keeping it in an alkaline manner. So liquid soap, because there's no necessity for them to be kept alkaline, then you can definitely achieve that, keeping that pH closer to your natural pH as possible. Generally, it's a better soap to use. But there are people who just say, oh, gee, if I'm not hanging onto a bath, then I haven't washed. So we'll forgive those people and you have to choose amongst, you know, the rest is not great, but... Then, then you choose the alpha. There are some that are still okay, even though they are still alkaline. And then, Prof, let's talk about the benefits of, you know, changing your products during the seasons. We have proof of research-wise is that your skin does change according to season. Your skin, in a sense, it attempts to adapt itself. So you can't expect the products that were helpful in summer will be the same in winter or the other way around. Let's come to terms with that and accept it. And tell ourselves that in summer, these are the best products to use. In winter, these are the best products to use just because our skin changes. So the benefits would be that when you do apply that product that is great for summer, it does get in. It does help you. It does therefore nature your skin all the more. But then being cognizant of the fact that the season has changed and therefore you have to change your products is definitely the ideal thing. So what are some ideal products to use then in winter? The first step is that bath oil thingy. I was using my water formula as an example. This is definitely the best way to do to hydrate your skin, having some form of oil in your water. The next thing is a good soap, which I've gone over. And then in winter, the better moisturizer to use is this moisturizer that we call occlusives. So what we advise is that it should be a product that forms a barrier on your skin. This is compared to other products that we usually advise for summer where it gets into the skin, creates your skin from the inside. In winter, the better one is the one that lies on the skin because not only will it certainly hydrate you to a certain extent, but it also allows you to maintain and keep your... Certainly hydration is one, but I was looking for your heat. So remember, you need warmth at that time. So you need something that's going to allow you to retain the heat that is natural that you'll have gotten from your clothes or other things. You maintain that by layering your skin. And of course, examples of products that do that is something like petroleum jelly, which uh, different companies are using. Other products is uh, tissue oil. Tissue oils of various forms. I know people utilize tissue oil thinking that it helps them to take away pigment or they use it to take away stretch marks. We don't have evidence that it does that. We can vouch for these tissue oils helping in terms of hydrating skin, even more so in winter than in summer. That example is baby oil. And it's called mineral oil. I mean, those products that are said to be basis mineral oils. So I'm just saying in winter, the better thing to use is mineral oils or petroleum jelly in general, because the examples underneath, and then tissue oils. A thing that my mom always swears by in the winter is glycerin. Does that also oh, yeah. as a mineral oil? So glycerin is great. 
what we would advise for somebody who's going to use glycerin, you can actually even put glycerin in water. Let's say you don't have the bath oils that are sold out there. People are using all sorts of lovely bath oils that sometimes have a lovely scent. Something you can also use even in water, but certainly as a moisturizer. I love glycerin. I even conducted a study where we're trying to show that glycerin is as equivalent as what is being offered to patients in this hospital. And because we were finding patients, we will say their skin has been treated. And then they go home and then they run out of emulsifying ointment, and stuff that they can only find in hospital. And they come just with emulsifying ointment. So we were finding them, we are distracting them, but they are coming back just with emulsifying ointment, which whereas we thought that. Therefore, we conducted a study comparing what we offer here and glycerin, for example. And the other agent was uh, comparing aquas cream with baby oil. And the point was that patients don't necessarily have to come just for the aquas cream and just for the emulsifying ointment. They can use these products we're talking about, glycerin and basic baby oil, preferably the non-scented ones for the eczema patients. They can buy that at their corner shops, at their village shops. Prof. Clela, can you tell us what are skin acids? We've been seeing around things like on TikTok, we're always talking about the hyaluronic acids and the salicylic acid. Are skin acids beneficial for our skin at all? No, they are. And I think I can, I'm happy to confirm that. Hyaluronic acid is a natural product. We all produce it. It's just part of our own natural skin. When we draw skin in the skeleton, we talk about the epidermis, which makes up the, the colorful parts, whether brown or whatever. And then underneath the epidermis is a part of the skin called dermis. It's a red portion of your skin. And then underneath that is something called subcutaneous layer, which is made up of fats. I don't know if it has happened to you to cut yourself until some fatty stuff comes out. So before you get to the fats, there's this plumpy portion of the skin that's called the dermis. It's an integral part of the skin. It's made up of collagen. It's made up of elastin. It is part of the natural makeup of the dermis. And it is meant to help keep your skin plump. But then over years, over time, it just is just like collagen does, which is why we time the skin sags. The elastic fibers that make up part of the skin also, they reduce with time. Facing that is not a bad problem. There's industry that they try to simulate that natural occurring acid as they can in the form of AJ. They can be given in cream form, in oral form, or injection form. And there are some products called fillers best way of all the ways in which one can replace hyaluronic acid that would have otherwise been lost naturally is rather through fillers as opposed to creams and oral. Injection is also the next best. In a way, I'm saying if a person believes that they've been around long enough and they think that their skin may benefit from replacement of HA, there's nothing wrong with that. It just helps plump the skin, trying to simulate the natural, the way that their skin were made as much as possible. And for some, it works. And then salicylic acid? It's a product of, you know, aspirin. It's a salicylate of salt, which aspirin is one example. So it's more like a, a byproduct of aspirin. And then the benefits, and it is true that it has some benefits on the skin, but it's more as a sloughing agent. One best place to use it is when a person has got acne, because one of the, the way in which acne presents is by what we call comedones. Comedones is the hair pores that get clogged. So people call them blackheads and whiteheads. So mm-hmm. all that is, is this clogged pores. So if you use something like salicylic acid to allow for the pores to unclog, you stop the skin of the dead cells that shouldn't be, that otherwise be clogging the, the hair pores and you just take those dead cells out. But that's about all the benefits of salicylic acid. It doesn't do more than that. And as far as I know, I mean, I'm happy to be corrected uh, research-wise. But I, I'm just trying to say, 
it's not something that should be used really nearly by just about everybody. Not that you shouldn't, but you don't need it. You've got perfect skin. You've got lovely smooth skin on I, your face. My face gets like very dry. So I do, I do use a couple of hyaluronic acid products, especially in the winter, you gets dry. Yeah. There is benefit in, but it depends on what you're trying to do with it. Fortunately, it's being sold sometimes in the form of a, a wash or a cream. You are unlikely going to overload with it. So it's okay. You can definitely use, I'm talking about salicylic acid. You can use products containing salicylic acid with a view to benefit from not allowing dead cells to accumulate. That's fine. What are the roles of hormone imbalances in terms of skin? Okay, so you have to be thinking, which hormone are we talking about? And uh, what is its normal function so that you can then go back to understand the abnormal when it's like, let's say when the hormones are reduced, what is the effect of that? So I really thought that was that question needed a little bit of trimming. I'll give you an example. So we talked about acne earlier. I mean, we just talked about acne. So we do understand that hormones play a role in the development of acne. And specifically, one hormone that we know does that is progesterone. Progesterone helps with sebum production. So some of us, we are all nice and oily. There's a hormone that helps that natural oil production. With patients with acne, that hormone is overfunctional, meaning it's producing too much of it. That's why typical patients with acne have got oily, very seriously oily skin. Part of the acne, we call it acne pathogenesis. It's part of the problem that makes acne in the first place. So it depends on which hormone we're talking about. What is its normal function? And therefore, when it's reduced, what will happen? But it is true that hormones play a role in the skin. They influence development of skin lesions uh, to a certain extent, especially, I mean, it depends on whether in excess or in their, in, in their reduced levels. How effective is the use of calamine and memeza as a form of protection? <laughs> calamine, if you're talking about that white thing, it has got nothing in it, literally zero benefits. If anything, you can benefit from calamine it's cooling of the skin. You know, the people who just happen to be very itchy for diseases or just naturally itchy. So I'm happy for somebody who's going to use calamine to just cool that skin so that it doesn't itch a lot. Or even just after bath, if you're very hot, you can use calamine. And sometimes you use it as a drying agent. For example, people with chicken pox will put calamine just trying to dry those vesicles that they're made up of chicken pox. But I'm trying to say, as far as I know, there's no dermatological benefits of calamine. Now, let's talk about when you said memeza, it's a red one, which is mainly applied by ladies, especially from the Eastern Cape, I'm not sure from even KZN. If you're talking about that one, then there is a benefit about that one. It forms, it becomes a, a barrier, almost like an equivalent of a sunscreen. So if somebody can, is able to live with that, it's a plaster on your skin. If you're able to leave it on for as long as you need, especially if it's about protecting from the sun, which is usually like during the day, why not? The only caution would be, I would want to avoid in patients who already suffer from, for example, eczema, because you're putting a plaster on your skin that you don't know what else is in there. And there are people who have who tend to have easy reactions, but some patients' skin is sensitive. So if I were to use memeza, calamine put aside, memeza, I'll try it on a, a separate portion of skin first and see if I've got no reactions to it, there are no issues with it before I put it on your face. Because, because once I put it on my face, if there's a problem, to now address something that may have been caused by something that could have been avoided. For example, suddenly, let's say, but in my language, it's sitha because you've applied something on your skin and reversing is sitha is difficult. So try it another part of the skin first before you do it on your face for too long. 
But I mean, as far as I know, there is even a, a colleague of mine who's a dermatologist who's based in KZN. She has conducted work that has tried to show that the mimeza thing is useful as a, a natural barrier from the sun for people who, who are able to do that, especially people who live in the, you know, who has to go and, and be in the field for a very long time, seeing that, fun, I mean, sunscreens are financially, you know, sometimes difficult for some people. As an alternative, it's not a bad option. I like the fact that it's, a, you know, can be used as a sunscreen. Only as a sunscreen. I don't know what other people are using it for. Mm-hmm. I don't understand anyone who'd say it makes their skin different. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Prof. Kela. For more on winter skin woes, please check out healthformzanzi.co.za. And remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. You can even shoot us a WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you, babes. With so little moisture in the air, now more than ever, it is important for you to ensure that your skin gets properly hydrated in order to avoid flakiness, rough texture, acne, poor elasticity, and a worsened appearance of wrinkles. <laughs> like Prof. Kela said, the right products can keep your skin healthy and firm this season. That brings us to the end of episode 41 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health Home Zanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week. And remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.